This is an Odyssey original. This is War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. There has been some grim news coming out of eastern Ukraine over the last few days as the Russian military has picked up its pace of seizing more territory in Ukraine's Donbas region. Its troops are close to completely taking over a key city that would further a Russian foothold, and Ukrainian President Zelensky has spoken ominously about mounting casualties among his forces. Now, this comes as Ukraine is waiting for more weapons and aid from the U.S. and other Western countries. Among the next catch of weapons on the way are long-range rocket systems, and there are reports the U.S. is on the verge of selling Ukraine advanced unmanned drones capable of firing on Russian targets. So can Ukraine, with the help of the U.S. and others, hold off the Russian offensive and what does Europe look like after the war ends? With us is retired Navy Admiral James Trevitas, former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO and author of a new book, To Risk It All, Nine Conflicts and the Crucible of Decision. Admiral, what do you think the end of this war will look like? Well, let me start with three simple words, which are, I don't know. And nobody does. A war is the most unpredictable of human activities, to say the least. But I'll give you my base case, kind of two and three chance that it turns out this way, just based on history and my own knowledge of the region as a former Supreme Allied Commander in NATO. I think this probably ends up with the two sides exhausted, uh, probably by the fall. Uh, at that point, they will in all likelihood be looking for a negotiation. Um, and it could end up uh, like the Korean War did with a still a perpetual state of war on the Korean Peninsula, but the forces kind of exhausted on both sides. There's an armistice, a line is drawn somewhere on the map, whether that line is inside Ukraine or the Ukrainian border with Russia, we don't know yet. But I think that's probably how this ends up as opposed to Russia suddenly picks up its game and conquers the whole country. I think that's highly unlikely. Putin is overthrown, very unlikely. I think where we're going to land is something like what I just described. Admiral, it's often been said that uh, Putin miscalculated. He thought that this uh, invasion would uh, drive a wedge uh, between NATO and cause it to further splinter. It had been bruised from the uh, Trump years, uh, the harsh criticism there, but it only seems to be making NATO stronger and bigger. I mean, first of all, did you ever anticipate in all your time, in your lifetime, that you would see Sweden and Finland being uh, actually reaching out to want to be part of the club. Um, indeed, uh, during my four years as Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, I would often go to Helsinki and to Stockholm and talk up the alliance. And there was really no fundamental interest there in joining the alliance. And by the way, these are two highly capable militaries, excellent troops. I commanded these troops in Afghanistan, Libya, the Balkans. They came as partners to NATO alongside our NATO troops. They are in every sense the equal of U.S. troops, British troops. They're exceptional. And then finally, it gives us a whole northern flank that creates further military problems for Vladimir Putin. So, no, I never would have thought that. And I'll give you another I never would have thought. I never would have thought Germany would double their defense budget in a single year. 
that distant sound you hear is Vladimir Putin's head exploding with the unintended consequences of this invasion. Well, let me add to the list of never would have thought. I think that you probably never would have thought, I'm guessing anyway, a few years ago, maybe even a year ago, that Vladimir Putin or anybody in Europe would even threaten the potential you know, use of a nuclear weapon. And now it's being sort of thrown about with a, a degree of, of casualness that I find kind of shocking. Yeah, let's differentiate here uh, between uh, Vladimir Putin reaching for the lever to the nuclear apocalypse and launching a massive nuclear attack on the United States. That's world ending. And I think that is not going to happen. Putin, for all of his flaws and faults, he loves his country. He knows it would be destroyed in such an exchange. And he kind of likes his life. He's in charge of this big country. He has nice properties all over Russia. He has mistresses, children, wives. We can, I think, park the idea of an apocalypse. Would Putin use a tactical nuclear weapon? I don't see the utility for him of doing so. In other words, he can create a similar level of military effect with his conventional weapons. Um, and he knows the opprobrium of the international community would be massive. That would be a, a unique act. And that probably would pull NATO directly into the conflict. I don't see it. Where I am concerned is, would he use a chemical weapon? I could see a couple scenarios where that could happen. He'd try and blame it on the Ukrainians. Um, that's more realistic. I, I don't lay awake at night worried about a nuclear exchange here. Back now with the retired Navy Admiral James Stavridis, a former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, author of a new book it's called To Risk It All, Nine Conflicts and the Crucible of Decision. Uh, I wish we had time to go through all nine conflicts. We don't, so give us two. I'm going to start at the beginning, which is John Paul Jones. Pretty hard for a Navy guy not to do that. And John Paul Jones is faced with an intense decision under extreme pressure. His ship is literally burning underneath him. Many in his crew are dead. British uh, captain calls across the water, says, you have to surrender, captain. And John Paul Jones utters those immortal words, I have not yet begun to fight. And this becomes a, a through line for the United States Navy. It's a perfect example of the book to risk it all. Jones is literally risking his life, his career, his sailors, and on a throw of the dice that he can defeat his opponent, and he does. He beats the British despite uh, all the odds against him at that point in combat. The other story, let's jump to the 21st century. It'll be one that people know. Um, anyone who's seen the movie Captain Phillips will remember the story of the, the uh, salvation of that captain, Captain Phillips, by the US Navy. That strike group that rescued Captain Phillips, all those SEALs, those destroyers, those big deck amphibious ships were under the command of a brand new, uh, untested one-star admiral named uh, Michelle Howard, happens to be African-American. She did a marvelous job knitting together everything she needed in order to create an outcome in which she was risking it all on behalf of the hostage she rescued. The book is full of stories like that that I hope will help people in the day-to-day -day decisions we all have to make. How do you prepare for those? How do you make those decisions? 
uh, to risk it all is is about making decisions under stress. Yeah, I was going to say, Admiral, not only is this a great book for uh, fans of uh, naval history, history in general, but also, you know, managers and anybody else who has to make uh, big decisions. It's in the title, The Crucible of Decision, and uh, be able to gain inspiration from some of these figures. Yeah, and let me just add, uh, right there in Southern California, one of these seemingly endless uh, uh, shooter incidents we saw uh, in Laguna Woods, a shooter go into a church, um, lock it down, and start approaching the congregation intent on massacring them. What happened? A doctor named Dr. John Cheng, remember his name, charged the gunman. He made a choice to risk it all in an active shooter situation. He knocked the gunman down. The other parishioners were able to then subdue the gunman. Only one person was killed, Dr. John Cheng. He's a hero. He is also someone who made a decision to risk it all, and he saved the lives of that congregation. Mm-hmm. Pretty remarkable yeah. story. So I got to ask you, uh, I mean, s- some jobs just, they just sound like great jobs to have. So so being having been the Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, it sounds like a pretty cool thing. What was the coolest thing about it? Well, first of all, the minute I got the job, I went home and said to my wife, okay, from now on, I want you to call me Supremo. (laughs) That never happened. So so I failed in that sense. But the coolest thing about the job was that at that time, there were 28 different countries and a big part of your job is to go to each of those capitals and meet with the heads of state and government, meet with Angela Merkel in Germany, Nicolas Sarkozy in France, David Cameron in Great Britain, the opportunity to go to those capitals to meet with those leading international figures on behalf of the NATO alliance was life-changing, deeply enjoyable, and I learned a great deal in it. Retired Navy Admiral James Stavridis, a former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, dare I call you Supremo, and author of the new book, <laughs> To Risk It All, Nine Conflicts and the Crucible of Decision. Go check it out. Admiral, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Brian and Charles. You'll find this Odyssey original podcast and others at odyssey.com and on the Odyssey smartphone app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.